You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Uh, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of Batuta Advocate, and of course, Errol Parker, editor at large. How are you, Errol? Good, mate. Very good day here in the Diamond Tina. Not a cloud in the sky for once. Yeah, finally got rid of that rain. It's just been yep. It's been driving us mad. But I tell you what, all those London plane trees down there in the old city, the leaves are starting to turn. Yeah, yeah. Seasons are changing. It's gonna yeah, gonna get, gonna get a bit cooler over the next few months. Speaking of cool, today we have a guest that we have been uh, trying to tee up a time for a little while now. So we're very excited. He's known by a couple of names. One, the Bunjalong Falcon was um, one prominent nickname that was, uh, you know, bequesting him up there in Grafton. But yeah, we've got TCD, Troy Casadale. He came back from the city. I said, cuz, where you been? He said, brother, I've been living on a wire. Uh, one of many songs I'm going to break into throughout this interview, I reckon. <laughs> you might, maybe, maybe I'll be the rambling man. That's... Uh, that's where we're at. Troy, thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you, boys. And um, and like I say, um, thanks for the intro. Bunjalung Falcon has stuck, <laughs> thanks to you, fellas. And when I went up to my auntie's 60th, they were going, the Bunjalung Falcon, eh? <laughs> that was the first yeah. question I got at the PO Hotel. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's um, you've kind of lived a, a life of Falcon and, you know, Bunjalung as well. Maltese, Koori Man. You must have a lot of cousins on both sides then. Oh, mm. man. It's like my, my mum was one of nine. My dad was one of 13. And I've probably got more first cousins than football teams in Sydney. It, it's been amazing to see uh, how hard it is to keep up now with their kids. Yeah, It's okay with my mum's side because I grew yeah. up there. But, you know, with my Maltese side, they've all gone on and had mobs of kids. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, weddings and that are very interesting. They all come up to talk to Uncle Troy. Yeah. And I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, are they like the Greeks and Maltese where they're kind of all the kids have got the same names as their uncles? Pretty much, yeah. All their dads. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all, yeah, it's all yeah. part and parcel of it. But, yeah, there's a lot of relays. Yeah, a lot yeah. of relays. So can you tell us, uh, where did you first feel country music? Was it living in down in Sydney, Redfern, Surrey Hills, or or was it is it up the north coast? Look, it was a bit of both. Uh, mm. Mum and Dad broke up when I was tiny, so I was between Sydney and Grafton a lot, and yeah. mainly it was a train trip for me in the old days with my mum. She dropped me off to Dad. Both of them, thankfully, Dad had this incredible old HG panel van with an incredible, what are those little, what are they, something, triple eight or whatever they call them, like a cassette thing in it? Yeah, tape deck. Yeah. Tape deck. Yeah. Uh, and just incredible music on both sides. Mum was playing all the Merle Haggard and Slim Dusty up on the north coast. And Dad was playing like Hank Williams and all these incredible Everly Brothers and stuff. So I felt country, though, I think, when I really got to love Merle Haggard. That was, that was the moment where I sat by the record player. I'd had a bit of a shitty day yeah. and I thought to myself, wow, this fella is telling my story. What's the pathways for a young bloke? you know, coming through country, because at that time you'd, you'd look at, you know, the, the big hitters. We uh, went and met Slim Dusty's family the other day and they basically kind of came from almost a circus environment, the way they got the ball rolling with country music. They were on the road, they were setting up, they were bumping in, they were bumping out. Oh. Was it was it the same for you? Oh, no, look, I think my, my path was really pretty much based on the North Coast. Didn't do a lot of travelling. Yeah. As far north as we'd go would be Casino, mm -hmm. Lismore possibly. Yeah. Yep. And as far south we'd go, oh, Taree. That's mm -hmm. about it. That was our border. Yeah. And I think we were, we were all 
into playing music. My cousins all played guitar. We all went to the same guitar teacher. But my path was really about the covers bands, playing Johnny Cash songs, yeah. playing a lot of the Eagles in America. A, a lot of Guri people love Creedence Clearwater and yeah. Eagles and stuff. So we were drawn to all that music, you yeah. know. And so we, we were either sitting around a fire having some beers playing mm-hmm. or we are on the road with a small band and a really bad PA yep. trying yeah. to make things work. We, we melted little PAs yep. at gigs like the Golden <laughs> Dog at Glen Ray. So that was our big start. And we rang our guitar teacher and said, look, something's going on with your PA because uh, it was only a four channel and there was smoke coming out of it and we cooked it. <laughs> and she said... Did you have everything plugged into it? We went, yeah. yeah. She said, that's probably why. <laughs> and it was smelt weird. Just, I don't know what it was that was cooking in there, but it wasn't. Good. Electrical fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you're obviously a mad South Sydney fan. Close oh. one. Close one last night. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Is that something that followed you up? We talk about it. We interviewed Latrell not long ago, and he said that the bunnies things well and truly alive in Taree. You know, the following, the following's all the way up there. So you didn't really have to worry about leaving Redfern. That was still... Well, it was on both sides. I yeah. mean, my, my uncle that lives over in, off Cleveland Street, yeah. uh, he, uh, he has a shrine yeah. in his shed, <laughs> and he's my godfather. Yeah. And when your godfather gives you his little keychain of his membership that year in 1971, you are in the family, whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I love him to bits and... Uh, he's one of the last uncles I've got left on my dad's side, and that's where it sort of started in mm-hmm. Redfern, of course. What a better place to start. But then when I got home, I had an uncle, Bunny. His nickname was Bunny because he barracked for the bunnies. <laughs> Bunny Daly. <laughs> and Uncle Bunny, uh, was we, he always wore the colours, and he was a big influence on all of us, of course. So whenever we had a, a jersey to wear to any footy games, when we weren't playing footy for our school or the team, we had our Bunnies jersey on. <laughs> so it was just, you know, ingrained... And I, I've loved them for years and just, just a, an amazing old club. I'm glad that we were able to get back into the comp. We all went to that same old fundraiser when uh, we got booted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was devastating. It was like losing family members mm. when you've got a team that's been booted out of yeah. the comp. But, you know, all the people in the teams from all around Sydney that went there to support it as well as Rusty and, yeah, yeah. and everyone else was just such a fantastic way to do it. That's something people don't often mention that much, that that big march they had too, 100,000 oh, 100, yeah. people. A lot of them weren't strictly Bunnies fans. They were just no, league no, fans that loved they what were, they represented. You like know? there was at the front, I remember on the TV, then they had a bunch of uh, some blokes from the Bulldogs were up the front. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, how good's that? I, I mean, you're arch, yeah. arch enemies, yeah. Yeah. and yet everyone's pulling it together. But on the night, to have Ray Martin and Andrew Denton, all yeah. all the known fellas, yeah. but, you know, it was really wonderful to see the teams. The yeah. ta- each team bought a table, and I thought that was pretty cool. They, they yeah. auctioned off the bill that started the first game for yeah. a lot of money, and Russell bought that and then donated it back to the club. Yeah. You know, I just, and then just, and then and then they rang it before uh, Grand Final yeah, 2014. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fly down for that one. I tell you what, I, I was in Brisbane. I was on Straddy watching it on the biggest TV I could find <laughs> because I'd, I'd been in real trouble with my wife, and she said, "You're not flying down there." For that. <laughs> I said, "Come on." She said, "We're watching it on the TV with the kids." So I was blind yeah. and barracking. And I can tell you, I think the whole of Stradbroke Island heard me. Or yeah. Quandamooka mob would have heard, heard the wildest, wildest blackfella you've ever heard barracking for football. And, you know, we all are pretty wild, not only Rabbitohs, but league fans. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, and I love the Indigenous game that happens up on the coast. My young fella took his girlfriend. 
Yeah, yeah. right. And she's non-Indigenous, and she'd never been to a, a footy game where people barrack around her. Yeah, yeah. And um, it wasn't the someone scoring a try. A fight had broken out. <laughs> yeah. In the stands, and everyone stood up like those bloody what are those little meerkats? Let's <laughs> 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 have a look. And she's going, "What's going on? What's going on?" I was like, oh, "I think there's a fight." And then she got to experience the try. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> she saw another level of just craziness. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. That it's great. The uh, you, you get around those knockouts or the carnivals. You ever seen seen one of them in action oh like, yeah I yeah. used to go to them all the time when I was younger too yeah. and we're coming through the ranks in our mm. little cover band thing I never was working so we'd yeah. always go down to a knockout the, the most memorable one I've been to was Nambucca yep. Nambucca Heads and um, the local KFC closed and there yeah. was a riot <laughs> there was oh, an actual like, riot everyone needs a feed it's like what happened in 2019 out in Dubbo that the KFC they ran out of chicken <laughs> And the bloke who owned it was calling up all the other ones, like over in Mudgee and Bathurst Orange, going, does anyone have any fucking chicken I can buy? <laughs> because because i got to open these doors in three hours, and if I don't have any chicken, yeah. I'll be in trouble. That's right. It's going to be a bad, bad vibe. Yeah, there's too many, too many yeah, families here. got there here. in the end, though. Oh, yeah. well you came through. Came well through. Came through. Midnight Express. <laughs> so when did you meet Slim? Uh, I first met Slim before he would have realised I was going to be playing country music. I was only a young fella in Tamworth yeah. and met him in a signing line. So the, he did an in-store and every time Slim did an in-store, it was like you'd, you'd get you know 4,000 people mm. in a shopping centre somewhere. So he then signed for about four hours after he did four or five songs from his <laughs> new record and he had to cut it off. Yeah. And I was thankful I was in the middle of the line. I waited for two hours. Yeah. And I got to say good day and get the record that he was that he was released and signed. But then I, I met him properly at a place called Carlton Hill mm. in Western yeah. Australia. In the Kimberley. In the Kimberley. Yeah. And they had their hundredth year centenary and they had booked Slim, Dame Edna Everidge. Really? Yeah. And uh, and James Blundell had to cancel and I got the gig. Right. So It's I, an all star cast there. Oh man. Uh, Joe Bailey was there doing Dame's Edna's hair, and and you know it was it was like the, the most bizarre setup of people you've ever seen on a station. Yeah. So here I am at Carlton Hill. I'd never met Slim. We're by the fire, and um, Joy had gone to sleep, so he was able to have a couple of sherbets and have a laugh. Yeah, yeah. And man, we we we, we sort of recounted a lot of our North Coast connections and yep. what we used to catch and eat in the rivers and the yep. Maclay and the Clarence. But what a character. Man, what a character. Would, would Slim play kind of a mentor role to you and, and the other young fellows coming through? He definitely did, you know. And, and Slim was in a position where he could have been the traditionalist and sort of stuck by his guns and wanting everyone to play bush ballads. But mm. he was so open to Keith Urban, yeah. Casey Chambers, myself, um, anyone else that was coming through that he, he thought was individual, yeah. he, he just backed you. And he also, he, not only as a mentor, he didn't sit down telling you how to do industry stuff. He, yeah. he wasn't that sort of fella. Yeah. He'd just give you just a couple of little light bits of advice like, um, oh, you know, if you're running in a race, put your blinkers on, concentrate on who you are. Yeah. Don't be looking left and right. Yeah. And uh, that's about all he gave us as that part. And nothing about guitars. He wasn't nerdy mm. into that sort of stuff. He was just a real everyday fella who I reckon had a great sense of humour and, and also, you could talk to about anything, mm. just about anything. We, we were talking about women because I was supposed to stay at the big house <laughs> with Dame Edna and him and the yeah. family and that. Yeah. There was this girl who was the cook who was a bit of a sort. And, and he Sounds said, like a station story. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I gather you're not staying at the house because <laughs> I was yarning to yeah, the wife yeah, of Harvey yeah. and I went, 
No. <laughs> no. I'm actually going for a horse ride with that Sheila <laughs> later on tonight. Yeah, yeah it's, either, it's either the cook or the governess. That's a, right. Some poor young girl go up from Sydney. You're the first bloke that can string a sentence together that she's met in about in about 18 months. <laughs> Is that Troy Lee? Seems all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've seen that harbour before. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful down there. I'll take you to Sydney one day, baby. Beautiful country. <laughs> you and me. You'll have to show me around next time I'm down there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what is life like on the road? You had a band a lot of the time. Yeah, look, I, I started in cover bands. Yeah. But, um, and it always ended up, when I started doing recording, I always had a band. Yeah. Sometimes I'd do the odd sort of gig where you'd, you'd go out with something different, where with you and two players, we had a lounge chair we bought from Vinnie's once that we thought, we'll just do a whole tour with me sitting on the lounge yeah. and have the bass player there and a, a pick keyboard or someone or steel on the other side. And it, we used to make a habit of inviting people up on stage. Yeah. And it ended up like a Jerry Springer show because they're pissed. <laughs> and so you say, oh, you know, pick someone Jerry out of the crowd. Yeah. You know, for those people that don't know Jerry Springer, yeah. go and check it out. It's no, just no, crazy. No, everyone remembers. There was it's some batshit crazy. Prime time, daytime television. And I made the first mistake. It was like, you know, the, some place up in Newcastle, maybe the 16 footers or something. Yeah. And I got this. The, the drunkest person is the best person to get up because they're the ones heckling you. Yeah. So you've got to shut them down. Yeah. And I got this bloke and his girlfriend. Up well, they fall all over the bloody the lounge <laughs> and they're pouring piss all over us. And I said, "That's the last time I'm doing that." But it became something we did every night. Whenever yeah. there was a heckler, you get them up and shame them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They were great. Well, that's that's a pretty it's a pretty foolproof strategy because you, you invite them up, and if they're too shy to do that, then they shut up. They do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a great way to close them down. Yeah, yeah. you know. But it, it, there's bands are fantastic to tour with too yeah. because you know you. You've got that camaraderie. We'd mm. sit up late at night in the early days, like playing a lot of old country yeah. and getting a lot of complaints from mm. motels because we were drinking heaps. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I, I still love the band. I miss playing with the band after COVID, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that's been a bit of a drought, but we're coming back. Slim sings a song called Top Springs. Where he talks about, you know, they still talk about the night the travelling show came out to Top Springs, where it was like the Victoria River Downs boys met up with the road workers at the Shandy yeah. Bar and had the world's biggest blue. Did you see much of that? You would have gone to some towns where you coming to town was the first time a lot of people had seen each other for a little while and maybe there was a few grievances that needed to be be aired out. It ends up like a world wrestling match, doesn't it? <laughs> it sort of does. There's a bit of push and shove in certain towns. and it, it happened in a few places. But I remember talking to Fred Brophy, the boxing fellow, about it because I'd written a song about Fred. And I said, Fred, just out of interest, I said, where's the hardest town you've come across where people really got to fucking hide? <laughs> He went, he sat back, you know. <laughs> he had that look on his face to say, this is going to be a long story, you know. <laughs> but then he came up with, uh, where was Walsy Matilda written? Winton. Winton. He said, mate, some of the wind, some of the ringers that came into Winton really towed up his crew. I was expecting Clong Curry, Mount yeah, yeah. Isa, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. or Because yeah. he was talking about the West, you know. Mm. And and such a fascinating fellow. But, yeah, we, we had some, some bits and pieces of push and shove around the places. And normally if we'd go out after a night of playing, you'd be talking to the local people. Yeah. But then someone would think you're talking to their girlfriend yeah. too long and they'd come over and give right. you the big word. And right, push a big you shot. <laughs> okay. We used to call them local love gods because they'd come along and start sort of putting the, putting the acid on you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was okay in Grafton because, you know, everyone knew who everyone was. Yeah. There were still scuffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Briggs tells a funny yarn about, um, you know, when, he, when he's been around, comes back to a town, someone's seen him when he was a young fella, and then he comes back and, he's, you know, he's got a bit more profile. 
And they go, geez, you think you've done all right for yourself, don't you? And he goes, no, but you do. <laughs> what a comeback. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've actually you've teamed up with Briggs. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've watched and, and watched in amazement at some of the stuff he comes back because he's, he's, yeah. he's got some great things that he can shut down and um, I watched him for quite a while before I got a chance to meet him but um, yeah we, we just he, he really liked a song I sent him called Shadows on the Hill and it's about a massacre it's a it's a fair income song uh, about where I come from up on my grandmother's country mm-hmm. and we used to wonder why we weren't allowed near this spot I was explaining the story to Briggs and, and he first heard the song when I just sent it to him as a, a demo you know and he came back and he said oh, I reckon that'd be a good song to put rap on yeah. he said because you know it's just real and and so he's he's done a rap version of it as well, and man, it's a lot crankier than my version, yeah, but it's right. so good. Yeah, because it just goes there. Yeah, and um, it's 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 really like art. Yeah, so it's 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 a it's a yeah it's a heavy song, right? It's oh, like, it's a heavy song anyway. Yeah, when, yeah. And, and you know, when I was singing it to people, I wanted them to understand that it was never going to be about blaming anyone. Yeah. What it was going to be about was saying, "Hey, look, our history is really." not right mm. in Australia. It needs to be addressed. Yeah. And what we start teaching our kids is what's going to make the country get, yeah. get on track. And this is about massacres. And then I'd say to people, this is about where I come from. It's personal to me because mm. these people that were killed were probably some form or another related to me. Yeah. So it's, it's a personal song. It's a sad song. But it's an educational song. Yeah. And I was surprised the amount of uh, non-Indigenous people that came up afterwards saying, man... I totally get that, mm. but I was never taught that at school. Why? Yeah, I said it's because it's it's been hidden. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's not so much blaming anyone. It's just no. It's just, just not an... not not talking about it. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and instead of sweeping it under the rug, mm. and then I, Briggs took it to the next level where yeah. it was like, okay, this is this is how it really happened. Yeah, and this is what we really should be talking about in this way. Yeah. And when it becomes an urban song from a yeah. sort of a country-ish, almost a bluesy thing, mm-hmm. it just really took on another life. And I, I think, you know, the younger generation are going to absolutely dig it. I, I didn't know that was the subject matter of the song you were doing again. I thought you were going to do a bit of a Tim McGraw Nelly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> remember, that, remember that collaboration? Oh, yeah, well, there's been like, you know, even old mate, what's his name? Miley Cyrus's dad, <laughs> Billy Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he prove them all wrong, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he'll only have one hit. <laughs> <laughs> Along comes his song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's it is funny. It must be interesting for you as a Aboriginal country music singer, seeing, you know, it's it's going to be interesting with the song you do with Briggs because a lot, of, even if there are kids in the city that are listening to rap music, listen to Briggs, they all know your songs and they all know all oh. of their, you know, grandmothers, you know. Like, yeah. There'd be kids running around Redfern that know every word to Dolly Parton, you know oh, what I mean? exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's ingrained in us anyway. Yeah. But when they hear this, they'll, they'll definitely get to mm. see another side to what a song can turn into, you mm. know. And I, I think it's great. I think it really is. And I, I really I really love Briggs. I just think he's um, he's got a great sense of humour. But he's also got this staunchness mm. that I think you need sometimes just to sort of remind people that there are issues and the staunchness is what actually gets the point across. Yeah. And yeah. it's good that that's not just resting on footy players nowadays. No. You know? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look at Latrell. Yeah. I mean, how many times is that fellow going to be vilified? Yeah. And, and he has to stand up for himself. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know much about AFL, but I do know that with the Adam Good story that I saw... I was just devastated because mm. I thought to myself, okay, you can't get there and boo just him. 
you know, or make yeah. out he's laying down taking penalties when yeah. there's just as many other fellas laying yeah. down. I don't know what, what that lingo is with AFL. Yeah. But all I know is that after watching the documentary, man, the AFL could have done so much better. Mm, and I'm glad better. that Latrell goes hard mm. yeah. and fast and goes, it's just not good enough. Mm. Let's yeah. stop it. You know? And Jesus looking good right now, isn't he? Oh, last night, that try last night. I nearly had a bit of piss in my pants. And um, and Indy's runs right across the line. Yeah, yeah. And um, Mo's about three people down. That that um that assist, that try assist in Mudgee, that oh, duck yeah. and weave and weave and then dummy. Whew. But the silky hands, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't get people with that size that have no. silky hands like that. No. So, I, I, you know, obviously... I'm a bit, bit biased because he's from the North Coast. Yeah, and he plays with Rabbitohs. <laughs> when he was with the Roosters, not so much. <laughs> so we're very one-eyed. <laughs> no, it was um, – I, I actually said to Luttrell, I said, you know when you've had a good match when Troy Cassadaly's taking photos of the television screen, putting them on Instagram? <laughs> Look, I, I might overdo it at times, but, and, and my wife goes, "What's what's this photo of the TV tonight?" I said, "Where have you fucking been?" Of course, I take photos of the TV, but I just I find it hard to try and pause it to get the right moment. But I just yeah. take photos as it's being replayed now. Yeah. Posting them up, posting them up. Good stuff, on trail. trail. You know, it was, it was great that they could get. The footy back on when they did last year. Obviously, it came back a lot sooner than you know live music did. Yeah. But how, how was that for you? I remember you grew out the beard. You had the COVID beard in in ISO. I had a lot of people going, "Oh, true, you're bringing on the unk vibes." Here. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon I looked in the mirror the first couple of weeks and went, "Oh, Jesus, that's, that's um, that's more than salt and pepper. That's, that's a lot more salt in there now." Uh, and and you know the kids were funny because my son's got a real big beard, mm. you know, like Ned Kelly's size beard, mm. and. And he just loved it. Mm. Like, he just said, keep growing it, Dad. Come on, annoy the shit out of Mum. Because Laurel hated my beard. Scratchy as hell. But, you know, during COVID, we needed to do something for ourselves and look within because mm. there was no gigs. Yeah. So I, I just lost Dad. I, I just wanted to write songs. So I grew the beard, hung out with my dog, sorted out some marital shit. Yeah. And, and that's, that's everyone had that. Everyone in yeah. six weeks, mate. Do you know anyone yeah. else that yeah. went into lockdown and didn't get smart, yeah, yeah, snarky yeah, yeah, with their yeah. wives and husbands? Yeah. 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 Something wrong if they didn't. Something wrong if they didn't. Like, uh, you know, uh, did, did, you did hear stories of people uh, hooking up, you know, housemates and that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah, That's as good as it gets. Well, that, that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the, but that's, that's, one of the good, that's one of the few good ones you hear yarns like that, you know. And not a lot of good come out of COVID no. other than the fact that, you know, it made us appreciate what we've got. Yeah. It other than yeah. your TV or whatever and living vicariously through your phone, yeah. I wrote a record. I yeah. went downstairs and started playing drums and bass and awful, yeah. awful drumming, basing. <laughs> Our neighbours are actually selling. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably put it down to me. Yeah, six yeah. weeks, in, right six weeks in April. <laughs> six weeks in <laughs> And all that shit. But, but uh, I, I did write a lot of songs. Yeah. I wrote 20, 25 songs and when I was trying to get in to see you fellas while I was in... Uh, doing the record, it became too hard because yeah. I had to get home and then isolate for two weeks. Yeah. In oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And my wife loved it. Yeah, yeah. Because she had two weeks off from my recording. Yeah. And then I had another two weeks away from her when I was up there. So it was a whole month. So that sort of sorted things out a bit more. And yeah. It's bit good. of a breather. Bit of a space. What was it? And so, so the album is directly from that time. Other than three songs, yeah. Yeah, yeah everything came out of that. Um, it's, it's pretty dark. It's a hairy ride mm. and different to what I've ever done before. Yeah, right. I mean, everyone that knows 
any Bunjilung Falcon songs, <laughs> guess again on this because I've yeah. played all the guitars. It's a bit rocky. Yeah. I'd written a couple of songs for Jimmy Barnes and put them on his record and I got a bit inspired by that. I thought, you know, it's one thing to write a song like I was shutting down our town for Jim, and I, but I wrote it about his book, yeah. uh, the, the first one, uh, Working Class Boy. Yep. And then I, th- I, st- I started to keep. So you writing. wrote you wrote shutting down our town. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. I, what, a, what a track. Well, yeah. thank you. I, I I didn't expect to get it to Jim. He rang yeah. me after I lost my dad. Yeah. And he said, just keep playing your gigs. Don't cancel anything. He said, I don't think your dad would want you to do that. It was just this nice common sense call from a friend, you know. He said, Well, while I got you, have you got any songs? Mm. I said, Well, I got a poem mm. that I wrote after I read Working Class Boy. I said, Because your childhood, Jim, mm. it made my book look like a trip to fucking Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was harrowing. Glasgow. Oh, yeah. oh no, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, 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 Glasgow. Yeah. Straight into North Adelaide. In North Jesus Adelaide. Christ. And then I just said, Mate, I just don't know how you got through, but I wrote this poem about when they shut Holden down, you know, called yeah. Shutting Down Our Town. And he said, well, turn it into a song. It was like a school project. Yeah, yeah. Turn it into a song and send me something. So I sat up that night and I thought, God, this has helped me through even thinking about Dad for a minute. Yeah, yeah. It took my mind off it. So I sat and kept writing and writing. And I, and I sent it to him. He said, I love it. Mm. He said, I'll put it on the record. So after that, and it, it doing what it did as a song, I, I just wanted to sort of venture into that world a bit too because I used to play a lot of sort of more rocky stuff as a kid. And so there's a bit more of that on there, and it's a bit more outlawry. Yep. Because I had a lot of first cousins who were incarcerated. Yep. So I tried to tell a bit of their story in the record too. So it's you know. Bit people, of heart, heart worn highways, you reckon? Little. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's definitely um, it's definitely a, a harder ride than yeah. the last three records, and but you've got to give it one listen. Yep. Yeah. Just give it the one listen, and, and listen to it as a record. Yeah. Don't don't cherry pick shit out yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Try and graze. Just yeah. listen to it as a project, you know, because yeah. that's the way it was put together. Well, it's good now you're at the point in your career where people will do that. You know, it's not like you ha- you're not waiting for someone to pick a song up on radio play. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah, you know, Troy's I, fans listening from top to bottom. Top to bottom. Yeah. And, and you know what? If you've got a long car trip, mm. just chuck it in yeah. and give it a go. I think yeah. I did a yarn with a young girl yesterday who got a little scared of the record. Yeah. And I said, don't be afraid. <laughs> she said, no, after the second listen... I totally got it. Yeah, I said it, it is a rough ride because it, yeah. it, it talks about some heavy stuff. Yeah, and it talks about another. There's another song didn't make Jimmy's record that's on there. Yeah, and that's a heavy ride too. Yeah, right, right, right. So you know, it's it's interesting how you have to tell other people's stories. Yeah, and you've got to do it right. So yeah, and so <laughs> but I there are other bits that are obviously a little bit of light to get you out. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. There's plenty of those too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think I think it's worth it. It's, it's COVID was good for that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there going to be any much touring attached to all this? Are you back on the well, back yeah. on the horse? There's going to be as much as we can. Yeah. Um, you know, the capacities aren't really back where they should be, but we're, we've we just been doing some shows with uh, Midnight Oil doing the Macarada Project. Yeah, right. And that's been a big learning curve too. Good to hear songs that are just as potent today as they were in 1982. Yeah. yeah. When I first saw them at Coffs Harbour... At the Howie Moe, yeah, in this sweaty, <laughs> sweaty ass little venue, yeah, the and they are they are peeling the walls off with volume, yeah. And every song they sang and everything that related to us as Guri kids yeah. relates to me. And then I'm standing on stage with them at these yeah. Macarada shows, yeah. going, "I'm actually singing with Dan Sultan, you know, yeah. and we're all up here together as First Nations artists, and we're singing Beds Are Burning.' Yeah, yeah. You're just kidding me. 
What was that? That was a that was an interesting era. That kind that era of rock where there was a lot of white fellas singing about those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what was that like when you were here? Like, I mean, those songs have become like you know anthems for black people as well in some capacity. But at the same time, I heard this lady put a post up the other day after our show up at Surimay, and she said, "I remember screaming the words to Midnight Oil songs as an eighteen-year-old," and she said, "And I never realised back then how political they were." Yeah. yeah. She said, "But now." <laughs> As a 50-year-old, yeah. she said, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she also said, now I think I know what we've got to do. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, there you go. Yeah. Food for thought. Yeah. But, you know, the, the topics are still strong. Yeah. And still a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was just the, but the volume and the volume and the dance floor kind of put put a few seeds in a few people's minds too. Well, it did. Mm. And so did um, Shane Howard with um, Solid Rock. Yeah. We used to finish yeah. off, we had a band called Little Eagle and we were like your local love god fellas, you know? Mm. Yep. <laughs> and, and we finished off every set we would do at the last set. We did four 45-minute sets, but the last song was Solid Rock yeah. and everyone was singing every word. Yeah. And I, I bet a lot of people look back now and go, what was that song about? And they go, oh, right Oh, Yeah, yeah. So it's about ships coming yeah. and it's about the first fleet and where you're standing and who belongs to what and all yeah. that. You get it, but mm. it takes a few years for you to understand what you're singing. Yeah. You know? Well, you've got – yeah. Uh, this this obviously relates to, you know, your, your Indigenous family, but you um, you did that show on the SBS where you kind of followed up on your Maltese side. Yeah. Have you ever performed over there or in, in what capacity have you kind of been to the motherland in that, in that way? No, mate, that was my first trip back. I, oh, unfortunately, right. I'd planned to try and get my dad back. Yeah, right. But I used to wonder why dad was sort of – a little bit elusive about yeah. Malta, yeah, because he left when he was eight. So I said, "Dad, you must, you must remember some stuff, you know." Mm. And he goes, "Oh yeah, I've never really had a hankering to go back. When I went back for Who Do You Think You Are, mm. I know why he didn't want to go back because he was always hungry. Yeah, right. And, yeah. He, and and after a while, when the house got bombed, he was homeless too. Yeah. Yeah. So he was living at his, um, I think his his dad's parents until they rebuilt their house. And there's, you know. It, they talk about being hungry as being an actual pain. Yeah. It's just a continual pain. Why would you want to go back to that yeah. and yeah. remember that? Was, so I totally got that. Yeah. It was absolutely flattened too by... By Italy? The Germans and then the Italians and then the Americans when they took it back. That's yeah. right. So yeah, there wasn't much left. I think it was mainly, I think, one of the most bombed places in the Mediterranean because it was yeah. closest to Italy. Yeah, right. Once, once Mussolini went along with Hitler, mm. they just dropped a stack of shit straight yeah. off the first place they bought yeah. was Malta. So it was an incredible ride. Yeah. And I, I got a new love for my grandmother because she had 21 actual kids. She lost quite a few and then ended up with 13 that survived that she brought out here. 21, no twins, 21 separate pregnancies and lost, you know, Jeez. eight kids. That's like nine years pregnant. Even more than that. Oh, mate. That, when you think about it. You don't pregnant. even get a spell. <laughs> No. From the moment she was married in that church that yeah. I was sitting in on the show, yeah, yeah, she was probably pregnant, and uh, you wouldn't have got a chance to recover, yeah, yeah, because you know, uh, I, just one after the other, they rolled out this piece of cardboard paper with all the names of the children that her and my pop had, and she lived in Surrey Hills, and she was humble and happy, but I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how she could have been happy. With all those kids. <laughs> that's a lot. That's, that's like when, you know, when Nan gets left with all the grandkids for one afternoon. That's yeah. Imagine yeah. that pain every day of your life. I remember the visits. I, I remember the visits over in Surrey Hills, you know, and it was like sometimes you'd get 18 kids show up with three parents. 
<laughs> it was like, and everyone's running over the Reader's Digest building, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's terrorising the shit out of Reader's Digest <laughs> workers, you know, and, and all these little Maltese kids going crazy. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it must be tough being a, you know, a Maltese Bunnies fan because obviously... <laughs> They don't mind a bunny over there in Malta, do they? They are the 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 rabbit pastizzi. That's oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I, it's the first time I've had rabbit uh, in in proper Maltese fashion. Well, I had it with all my uncles and aunties. Yeah. My dad used to breed his own rabbits. Yeah, right. And um, one of the most terrible things I ever saw was when Dad had to karate chop one of them and <laughs> dispatch it for dinner. And they, I'd seen kangaroos knocked over, and I was all, all good with that. But the pet bunny, yeah, yeah. Much, I Dad. said, Dad, it's a bit close to the grand final to doing that. Please, yeah, the old karate chop. And and when I was over there, uh, there was a restaurant in Malta that actually was just sick of people asking for pizza. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they wanted to serve Maltese food, they, and they had this big sign. In Maltese and in English, we do not have pizza. If you want baked macaroni and you want pastizzis or you want baked rabbit, we got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they baked the rabbit with red wine over there and then put it on pasta. They, oh, red wine tomatoes. Yeah. And it's the first time I've ever eaten, well, since I'd had dinner with some family. Yeah. But it was pretty real. Yeah. And all the crew were all going, Man, <laughs> what is in this shit? Yeah, yeah. Said, that's just that's Maltese love right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming on here today and giving us some Maltese love. That was uh, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, you know it's been it's been a real honour to have you on. Obviously, we've been listening to you since we were young fellas. TCD, yeah. the bunch along Falcon. Well, it's uh, been awesome. I mean, I just love you fellas. What you do every time there's something on there that makes me laugh, it brightens <laughs> my day. Batuta Advocate is my day brightener, <laughs> and I'm just really happy to be at Batuta, finally, and yeah. I hope it's not my last visit. I'll bring the guitar next time. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> we'll put you on that old sofa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And The World Today, Troy's new album is out now, so get into that. I'm going to go get out of here and go top to bottom. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Thanks, mate. See ya. See ya.